Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. Hopefully, uh, everything is going well for you. I'm, I'm, I, I got distracted right from the beginning because what I end up doing is I kill my microphone before uh, while, while the intro music is playing. They call it intro and extro. You're right. They're all technical terms there. And uh, I kill my mic, so in case I want to clear my throat or do something that I can, and then I didn't think I turned it back on, but I did. Yeah, right. So, hey, that's what you get with this guy here from Cat Swamp Road. But I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast, wherever you are listening from. And it is sincerely an honor that I do not take lightly whatsoever whatsoever i am just honored that anyone would spend their time listening to me and god willing it is uh, of value to you other than just entertainment because of all my mess ups but before i do go any further i want to give a shout out to mr patrick sullivan for thank you so much sir for uh reaching out to me and for saying that you enjoy the podcast and I enjoy having you in the audience and hopefully by the time you listen to this that I would already have communicated with you and answered your questions and yes I will repeat once more I would love to see the images of the donkeys that you are rescuing and any other animals that you have and I think that's wonderful I don't know why a donkey would be in dire straits unless well there's probably a million reasons why the poor thing could be in dire straits but i but i guarantee you it's rooted in somebody who did not take care of them so may god bless your efforts to uh, help those animals and save them and i want to thank you so much for listening to me mr sullivan and hopefully god willing we would have the chance to talk prior to you listening to this podcast episode but uh let me see what so uh oh i know i want wanted to tell you you know i use the term and i and and some of you are using it now also and it's it's a true engineering term i've repeated before inventing the science right so you don't know what's going on see oh it must be over here my wife is wonderful for that she doesn't know it's inventing the science but she'll say, well, maybe this happened because this happened. And she's, uh, she's as serious as a heart attack when she says it, God bless her. Uh, love her. Love her to death, but she is like, if you could give her a negative rating for mechanical ability. And her mother was very mechanical. But that's how it is, right, in life and families. So I'd be mean, like, hey, I didn't, bu- I didn't marry her to be a mechanic. So let's uh, we'll leave it at that. But anyway boy did i invent a science a few weeks ago and you may remember you may remember i said that i had this buzzing on my microphone when i touched the actual shell of the microphone and i shut the fluorescent light off and i put the light back on and then and then i thought it was had something to do with the fluorescent lights and then i'm saying well that bulb isn't that bright which probably is is valid all right, maybe the bulb was going out. Maybe it's making some EMI. Well, the the past couple of times I recorded, I did not have that issue whatsoever. Because now I uh, touch the microphone intentionally to make sure I don't have that. I'll call it feedback, for lack of better terms. And I said, okay, fine. Uh, and I invented a whole science to you guys. 
and said, well, it must be the light burning out or so, something or what have you. I mean, I, and to, in my own defense, all right, so if, like if I were in front of the judge, i say, well, I really didn't say that was it. I said, maybe it's that or it's the only thing that I could see because it had that that instant where I where I shut the light on, shut the light off and put it back on again and, and it was fine. Well, didn't make the noise. But that was just happenstance. And so many times when you're diagnosing stuff, happenstance comes and just bites you in your six. All right, we've all had that. And if you didn't have that happen, then you did not diagnose enough problems with machinery or you're a liar, hey, one or the other. So the thing is that... Uh, well, I had it again just now when I was getting ready to record. So what the heck is going on here? So I get back up, shut the light off. All right, same noise, put the light back on, same noise, do that two or three times. And then I said to myself, I'm wondering if I'm getting some EMF, some leakage into one of my wires here. So it shouldn't be, but I, so what I did was that my roadcaster has a power converter that you plug into the wall and I, I should really look what this runs at, but I don't want to go away from the microphone. Uh, it doesn't, it, well, it has it has a power converter like a computer has, so probably it's running on DC, and uh, I probably should know that. And probably, you know, 12 volts DC or 18 volts or some kind of, well, probably a little bit more than that, because it, uh, whatever, well, whatever, I should just stop making up things and, and uh let me see where is i'm not touching anything now but okay so uh anyway so what i basically did is i moved the wires from the uh i'll call it a transformer converter whatever that plugs into the wall socket and runs over my microphone feed wire and i moved the wires and lo and behold the noise went away so what probably happened excuse me so i must be getting some emi electromotive interference and we've discussed that on this show before and it must be i don't the wires aren't bleeding uh because they're i mean i'm not saying they're new they're five years old but they're in you know they're in in perfect conditions as far as temperature and weather and humidity is concerned so it just must be cross talking there it must be very sensitive to it and uh, and probably what had happened is that when i got up to move everything around to shut the light off i probably moved the wire and then i said ah oh, it's something with the lights so we uh so just keep that back in back of your mind is that well we will see now so i'm going to say that it's emi from my power adapter that comes with the roadcaster running with the microphone feed wire from that goes from the microphone the road nt1 to the back of the roadcaster and right now i put the wire underneath it the power wire and gave maybe a half inch worth of gap the best i could because this here is mickey mouse let me tell you not my equipment my setup here is mickey mouse so uh i would like to one day have a just a regular recording recording room and have it professionally set up instead of this this mickey mouse operation we got here but that basically is that and let me see what else i wanted to tell you uh there was something else oh i went the other day to a class over at messick's I did a podcast with them uh, on the road podcast and uh they're quite a big operation here in pennsylvania mount joy pennsylvania 
and they have four or five locations, but this is the mothership. They built this huge facility, and uh, they have an open house in all the facilities, and I usually go to it. And, you know, between, I'll say between you and me, <laughs> I like their open house better, and I think I may have even told you that last year. I mean, they built this drop-dead gorgeous facility, and uh, I may have even made the same analogy when I complained <laughs> about it last. Well, I'm not complaining, but, before, you know, sometimes... The, the reference or the analogy that I would make is that you have a person who has a restaurant and they have this little restaurant and they have really good food and really good service and everything is, everything is great about it and it's not fancy, all right? They got the, you know, plaid tablecloths and the plastic napkin holders and uh, but the food is phenomenal. And we've all been to many restaurants like that in our lifetime. And then what happens is that by God's grace and their their efforts, because it's always, you know, God gives you the ability and the, the health and the possible opportunity. You can't make an opportunity without God. And uh, they work hard, which God all honors, and their business is very successful. So now they build this big fancy schmancy, I'm not going to say fancy schmancy, but fancier than they had before, right, with the plaid tablecloths and the, the old kitchen chairs. And uh, the ambiance goes away because you can't put your finger on ambiance, all right? So the food may still be the same, everything may be the same, but the ambiance goes away. And that's to me what happened. You have somebody from Messix is listening. I you know, wouldn't tell you that to your face, especially after you spend God knows how many. It's a two, I think, a 236,000 square foot facility. So you do the math. I mean, we're talking. Uh, tens if not maybe a hundred million dollars to do this place all right so you know you're gonna come and tell them well i like your old place better and uh, the old place had ambiance because what they did is that they had that it was the shop and they would bring equipment in there and they had it was just you know and it was better for camaraderie and you'd go to the take you know take a take a, a class there whatever well the classes were only during during this open house but the point that i'm getting at so I went there the other day. What I do want to tell you is I saw this drop-dead gorgeous Western Star Day Camp. Oh, I always, that's not really what I was, where I was going with this story, but I was always a sucker since I was a little kid for Western Star. I just loved that name, Western Star, and I just thought those trucks, the, the early Western Stars looked a little bit cobbled together. They didn't have that smoothness in my estimation of their designs. They looked a little bit more assembled instead of created, but I still love them, and I love that name Western Star in the hood. And but these new Western Stars, oh my God, this thing was beautiful. And because at least here on the East Coast, you don't see West. I mean, you see Western Stars, but they're not like you know, like a, a Volvo. I can't stomach those. Sorry if anybody works in a plant in Virginia. Well, I mean, I can't stomach them. They may be excellent trucks. I don't like the way they look, and. uh and uh and volvo was a originally was a, a bearing company it means i roll but in swedish well that's so or so i am told but the west these new western stars and you know and you see there's so many freight liners out there today it's not anything special and uh and uh, uh, so this was a drop dead gorgeous western star day camp oh my god i said oh my god i could have looked at that thing all day long but anyway that's so i went to this class I shouldn't say I went to this class. I went to the open house. And uh, I didn't... Then they were finishing up a uh, small square baler class. 
Now, a gentleman, Paul Smith, I believe his name is Smith, yes. I went, it was 10 years ago. It was my fiesta was new exactly 10 years ago. Because it was 2014. And they had, Messix was in their old facility. And they had a whole bunch of different classes. And I actually, it's just shy of 400 miles round trip there. It's like, uh, depending on how you go, like, like 392 or something or 387 or just shy of 400 miles round trip and back 10 years ago i made an itinerary because of the different classes were different time as mr smith taught paul smith which i never had met him before but i went there five days in a row so i drove like 2,000 miles to go because i took the bear like the small square baler the large the large square baler class the the small round baler i took the hay buying class i took the combine class i took the tractor class and he had these seminars there and he is excellent he was a or he is a retired field service engineer for new for well new holland uh, equipment and obviously now tractors but i think it used to be ford new holland or before that and what a knowledgeable knowledgeable man he's an older gentleman i don't uh, i don't know how old he is but i'd say he's probably pushing close to 80 and uh, a wealth of knowledge practical knowledge with equipment like with the hay balers so anyway so i didn't even know his small square baler class was going on in this new facility which i'll repeat again lost all the ambiance but whatever and uh and i so i i caught the tail end of it and uh so i went up i didn't and i'm saying this very humbly i didn't i didn't think that he would remember me but i wanted to go up and see him and shake his hand because um wonderful educator wonderful wealth of knowledge um mr dick hip from general motors ac delco was one of the people who was way instrumental in my in my in my life and to us to a certain extent paul smith was also but much to a much lesser extent because i didn't have that much exposure to him but the short exposure i did have to him he gave me a wealth of knowledge so anyway i go up to i go up to uh i said to mr smith he said you probably don't he says i remember you he goes you're the guy who came back and forth five times you're the guy who writes for the car the car magazine he says, as a matter of fact on my way down here today to teach the class i was thinking of you so i was so honored by that and the reason why i'm telling you that is that i'm hoping to get mr smith on my radio show on sirius xm and um so i know some of you listen to the sirius xm some of you don't I'm not going to put him on idle chatter because I've never had a guest on idle chatter. Idle chatter is just just me babbling, but the radio show is a different. I should say I don't say a different, different, slightly different venue. So I'm going to hopefully get Mr. Smith, and I'm going to ask him what he wants to talk about. I would like to do probably uh, this. Well, he obviously can't do the whole the entire class on. Uh, on the radio show because it's only 24 minutes but i'd like to do the small uh, square bailout have him give a, a talk on 
different aspects of adjustments and problems. Let's say like when the bail comes out of the kicker, it explodes like you have a bomb in it. Uh, I know he discusses that to quite a way to look on the bailer. So hopefully, God willing, I, I, I proposed it to him and he said yes. So God willing, I can make that happen. And if it does happen, I will tell you. And if, as I repeat many times, you don't have to have SiriusXM. You could go to my website, uh, or the other podcast hosting sites that feature idle chatter and my other shows then one week after it airs on Sirius it will be there as a podcast so I'm hopefully and I would like to probably do a couple of shows with him over the course of the next year God willing I'd like to do the small square baler maybe a round baler class a haybine class uh well, it's not a class a show but uh just have him touch on the bullet points because he is a wealth of knowledge and also you would say oh, i got a john Deere baylor i got a i got i i i got a uh uh whatever heston baylor it makes no difference because there are application specific designs just like you say if you're a rochester carburetor man versus a carter carburetor versus a holly carburetor man yes there are application specific changes and designs in there uh but the way it functions and the things to look for so basically in essence making a carburetor analogy let's say you have a bad power valve in a holly carburetor a holly style carburetor with a power valve versus a rochester style carburetor with metering rods it's still going to starve for fuel if that's what the problem is so you say okay the power enrichment circuit is the problem so that's what's really good about his program though because he's at a new holland dealer he emphasizes new holland but he also breaks away like i do and i'll toot my own horn uh toot but um that uh you know you can apply this to different things some things are set in stone and other things are not already so that's basically that i told you about my western star that i fell in love with it. oh the fiesta was humming uh 44 uh, 49.4 miles per gallon uh going down there and back in bad weather uh so you say well it's bad weather to do well the temperature wasn't really cold it's like 46 degrees which is not 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 cold but it's not 80 degrees either and you have to rec- realize that when you are running in colder air obviously it's not it's not cold cold air but the air is denser so that's going to inc- decrease your fuel mileage it was a terrible fog in and out a terrible fog through the mountains so that means you went from 65 68 miles an hour down to 40 back up to 65 so you were cycling cycling your speed all right uh defroster on the whole way which means you have electrical load of the defroster and the air conditioner compressor cycling headlights on and a lot of people don't realize that electrical load has an impact on fuel economy it's not going to be dramatic but it does have an impact on fuel economy so if you have a higher electric load then you're going to have that alternator is going to have to work harder and the power to turn the alternator comes from the crankshaft of the engine and the chemical to mechanical energy exchange comes from the gas tank or the diesel fuel tank right so it all goes back to that so i was very happy with 49.5 four miles per gallon given given that conditions if i would have been happier if i saw 50 (laughs) but that's always the case right so you're a drag racer you're an engine guy you're on a dyno you made a thousand twenty two you want to make a thousand forty 
you got 400 bushels of corn, you want 420, right? So that's really, that is the essence of life, of pushing the envelope, right? You're, you're thankful for what you have, the blessing that you have, but you always are trying to do it better. And as I always say, why are you trying to do it better? Because I'm trying to do it better because I'm, no, you're trying to do it. If you, if you walk with the Lord, you're trying to do it better to glorify God, to the, his glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Alrighty, so now with that all established, let me get my cheat notes here. This is no good here. We don't need that. Let me see what's going on over here. Alrighty. Well, we're going to have a show today, and God willing, it doesn't go too long. Is that, you know, that's a that's a real professional way of starting a sentence, you know? And... Uh, the thing is, whenever you get involved, the, the whole premise of my Idle Chatter podcast, the radio show, the website, my writing, whatever you want to call it, my ramblings, is to have a transfer of knowledge. And that's really what it's all about. You have to have a transfer of knowledge. And uh, if there's no, because everybody, and that's why I love communicating when you guys communicate with me, because, uh, because it is a transfer of knowledge. And... Uh, because you have everybody that's listening to this knows things that that another listener does not know specifically that I do not know. Oh, and on that transfer of knowledge thing, if, if you happen to listen to my show a couple of weeks back, where I had the letters from Hemmings, and the one gentleman wrote to me, uh, or I read his letter in there, and he, and he was responding to another list, list another reader with a seventy-two Nova, and that a 72 Nova with a problem with the radio, the AM radio, factory radio, and the gentleman who that I read his letter said that most likely the antenna needs to be trimmed, which I which I agree a thousand percent. But lo and behold, the other day, this gets back to the transfer of knowledge, is that uh, the gentleman with the Nova got back to me. So not the person whose letter I wrote, I read into the in, in the podcast, but the, the, the person, the, the that he was referring to, all right, had said that he fixed the radio in the Nova and he had the fader all the way down and something else. So he didn't, wasn't, I, I, maybe he, I sent him my podcast about the antenna trim, so he never uh, responded to it one way or the other, which is fine. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing on my end of the aisle for what it's worth, because I, I there was four people's letters in there that I that I read. I think it was four, three or four, and I contacted each person, saying that I answered your question on my podcast or referenced it on my podcast. And if you would like to listen to it, here's a link, and it would be much better so uh, than what I could write in the magazine because of word count. And lo and behold, that one person got back to me. All right, I'm not looking for accolades. I'm not blow, looking for smoke blown up my my six. All right, you guys would know what that is if you're in the military. All right, I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for that. A poison. I'm not looking for. I'm just looking for. I it's human decency of saying, well, thank you for answering it. I listened to it. Not even say thank you. Yes, I listened to it. So, I don't know. I really have a. So as I said in that podcast to you guys, I'm answering it 
to I'm answering it for them, but it is meant to be for you, my audience, because historically I have a very bad track record with people when I do that and I answer their letter in detail that that they don't even get back to me of saying, and you know it's like you're giving. I'm not saying I'm giving somebody a gift, all right, but you know you send somebody a gift, right? It's from your heart. You're giving them a gift. You're mailing it to them, and you don't know if they received it. All you want to know is if they received it. You're not looking for, hey, that's the most wonderful thing in the world. And in today's world, so many people never get back to you. They take what you have, take 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 what you have from you, right? And that's it. What can you do for me today? I don't care what you did for me yesterday. You did nothing for me today. Get out of here. All right. So and <laughs> so, but I'm not saying it's it. But I do have a terrible track record of responding to people in detail and nobody even acknowledging that they got the response. So, so that is, so I will now question whether I will even ever do those anymore because of that, because it is disappointing. But anyway, how respectfully, why I still think that the gentleman who wrote to me with that antenna trim is 100% correct, because if you had the fader all the way down, why are you touching the antenna with your body makes the radio get louder? Well, who knows? Whatever. The mysteries of life. But anyway almost a half hour into the show almost wasting your time by the bundle here but a bushel right so uh what we're going to talk about today is the different types of engine cycles there are the different types of engine cycles all right and this is going to be rooted in thermodynamics so click off right now (laughs) right so i don't want to go to hell hot rod i don't want to hear anything about thermodynamics well hopefully i could do i could do a, a good enough god willing do a good enough job on this to have it make some sense and we're not going to delve deeply more than in a sentence or two into thermodynamics but the fact of the matter is getting back to the transfer of knowledge is that for you to understand something to the level that you need to do. So if I was to title this a, a farmer's guide to thermodynamics in an engine, all right? The thing is that you have to you can't just stop and say, well, I don't care. I only want to know so much. Yes, we all say that to a certain extent in our life. I say that, well, I just want to, you know, that I just want to understand what's happening. I don't want to design it. I want to make it happen. I want a practical application of this. And that's what I'm going to hopefully try to give you. I'm not going to try to make you a physicist. I'm going to drink some water here. Excuse me. <clears throat> but we need to understand what's happening because almost everybody, I would, I would probably say everybody, not almost everybody, that listens to this show uh, is familiar with the four strokes of an engine which were taught to you is intake, compression, power, and exhaust, all right? So, but, and that is the official term, or the official name of that is called the Otto, O-T-T-O, cycle, and that was named after, I got it here, Nicholas Otto, and that was from 1876, 100 years, 100 years uh, before my beloved America was created, right? So, oh, 18, excuse me, 100 years after, not before, was my myth. And that's what it was taught to you. 
as as the four strokes. They didn't tell you that it was called the auto cycle, and they also did not tell you that the that the first the first stroke is called cylinder fill. The second stroke is called compression, as they identified to you. The third stroke is called expansion, not power, because the flame expands. And the fourth stroke is called the pumping loop, to pump the exhaust out. All right, so, but that's fine. We'll stick with what is common knowledge, intake, compression, power, exhaust. So that is an auto cycle. I see Allie is in the window, but I'm not going to be able to get her. It's like 42 degrees out, so she'll be fine. But anyway, uh, but there are four stroke, I mean, four different types of engine cycles. And I think this is very important for you to understand it because it is, there is a very good possibility that one of the vehicles I shouldn't say pieces of equipment because it hasn't gotten to that yet, but it should be, and we'll probably be very shortly, and hopefully I discuss that and don't forget, is that it's not running on the auto cycle. (laughs) So, well, let's start with the first cycle after the auto cycle. It's called the diesel cycle. And almost everybody who's listening to this has some sort of diesel engine be it a big engine in the combine or a tractor or a sprayer or a small little lawn tractor or a garden tractor or a diesel pickup truck or what have you so that is called the diesel cycle that is not the auto cycle the only auto cycle true auto cycle auto cycle engines are spark ignition engines all right, so I'm not going to say gasoline because it could be propane, it could be natural gas, it could be uh, be a couple of other different fuels, right? So those are auto cycle engines. So, so that has the auto cycle. There's the diesel cycle, which nobody talks about because everybody knows that for all intents and purposes other than an old two-stroke Detroit is that the diesel has four strokes, right? Four cycles. So... The thing is that they're thinking it's the same as a gas engine, but it's really not. That's a, a separate, just like there's corn and there's soybeans, right? They both grow in the soil. And so that's the diesel cycle. Then the other cycle that we have to learn about today, and I say you have to, is called the Atkinson cycle. Just like it used to be years ago, the Atkinson diet to lose weight. So there was the Atkinson's, there is, not was, there is the Atkinson cycle. And then there is another cycle called the Miller cycle. And many of you are actually driving a vehicle that has an Atkinson cycle engine and possibly even a Miller cycle engine. And it's it's a spark ignition engine and you don't know it. So what we're going to do is we're going to make common sense out of these cycles so that you could be an educated consumer so there's a transfer of knowledge because i feel in the very near future you're going to see more and more of this applications of these different cycles then as time goes on you should be familiar with it all right so what we're going to basically do is we're going to talk about the 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 auto cycle and the d and the diesel cycle now i'm going to throw some terms at you and 
like I say, they're, they're basically involved, I shouldn't say involved, they're rooted in thermodynamics, and it's T-H-E-R-M-O, not thermal, all right, so it's thermodynamics, and there's the first and second law, and we're not going to get we're not going to get belabored in this. This is the stuff that they were trying to teach you in physics in high school that you that you rolled your eyes to the sky because, and I did the same thing because the instructor I had, I forgot what his name was, I mean, he was probably a nice guy, what the heck do I know? I was a kid, all right, but he was, uh, he made, I mean, it was just this abstract concept. If he would have told me that it was, it was, uh, that it had to, that's the way an engine runs man my eyes and ears and everything would have perked up but to tell you the truth that physics class there was a good looking blonde sitting next one row one row across and one seat down so i found her better to pay attention to in high school than hey i'm a guy's guy right i'm a guy from toxic masculinity all right instead of understanding but if he would have told me this is how an engine runs then i would have kept my eyes off of that blonde all right. Well, I would have looked every once in a while, to be quite honest. But anyway, so there are two terms we need to understand, and one is called isentropic, and I've used that term uh, many times on this show, and it's isent- I-S-E-N-T-R-O-P-I-C, isentropic. Some people pronounce it isentropic, and the other one is called adiabatic. Now, those are terms that you may not be familiar with or may have some some uh, exposure to. Now, when the exhaust gas on an engine exits the exhaust port, it's called isentropic expansion, and that's how the reference that I've always made. That means so isentropic in simple terms that I know I have some very, very highly educated, I'm blessed to have some very highly educated listeners just the ones that it can, that I've had some semblance of communication with from Sandia Labs and everything. I mean, so people that, are, what they forgot, I'll never know, all right? So this is the farmer's guide to thermodynamics. We're not going to belabor it and get too complicated. We're going to put the feed sack down where the horse or the cow, well, the feed sack was more with a horse, could reach it, right? We're not going to put it up too high, all right? So in simplistic terms, isentropic, isentropic excuse me means no thermal change okay and then there's adiabatic all right and adiabatic in simple terms for this discussion means that there's a raise in temperature so if you ever were going to buy a turbocharger they will show you an adiabatic curve all right for the compressor wheel and that is the efficiency where the turbocharger, the compressor wheel, doesn't start to, I'm going to use the word cavitate and beat up the air molecules and raise the temperature, all right? So for this discussion, isentropic means no thermal change, and adiabatic means a thermal change, a raise in temperature for this discussion. So now a, an auto cycle on a gasoline or spark ignition engine proper term have to correct myself is an isentropic cycle so when the air when the cylinder when the piston goes towards top dead center and and uh compresses the mixture for all intents and purposes it is without thermal change all right 
So for this discussion, so it's an isentropic cycle. So auto cycle engine is isentropic. So for you to, if we can give you a test at the end of this, I'm not really joking. So for a four cycle engine to be an auto cycle, it has to have isentropic it has to be isentropic. So in other words, no thermal change to the compression during the compression stroke. Whereas a diesel is not, it has the four strokes, intake, compression, power, exhaust, even though they're not the real true technical terms, as I said, just like a spark ignition engine, but that is what's called an adiabatic cycle because not an auto cycle, a diesel cycle, because the whole premise of the diesel engine is for during the compression stroke to go and to squeeze the air molecules from, let's say, from, because remember, is that it's, it's, it's the piston going to top dead center and that compression into a very small region a very small area is going to raise the air temperature to the point where the diesel fuel will ignite so to make sense of this we have we have a, a auto cycle engine so idle auto is isentropic no thermal change and the diesel is adiabatic all right so that there is going to be a raise in temperature in the cylinder from the compression there's other aspects to it but we may touch on them later but that's the two important things you understand so both a so a gasoline engine spark ignition engine all right and a diesel engine both though they both have four strokes they are different one is isentropic and one is adiabatic okay so that is important to understand now what is going to happen is that we have the Atkinson cycle, not the Atkinson diet, which I need some sort of diet, all right, and we have the Miller cycle. Now, if anyone has a hybrid type of hybrid car, Toyota Prius or Ford, uh, whatever, Ford Fusion, so a, a gasoline electric car, a true hybrid car, then those engines are atkinson cycle engines and if you excuse me were a type of inquisitive person and even if you go today if you go to a car dealership all right and you look at the window sticker of a ford hybrid a gm hybrid a toyota hybrid or nissan hybrid whatever it may be if uh stellantis all right let's call it a chrysler please right chrysler hybrid it's going to say engine type atkinson cycle blah 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 atkinson cycle four cylinder atkinson cycle uh whatever uh eight cylinder v8 what have you all right so next time you're in town or you're someplace go look that up and if you don't even want to do it go look on the internet and it'll probably tell you internet if you go to the vehicle manufacturer's website it'll say atkinson cycle four cylinder engine all right so now what is the difference and then you will possibly see the term miller cycle all right uh engine miller cycle six on the miller, miller cycle v8 v i don't know if the uh, it could be i don't know of one not saying doesn't exist miller cycle v6 now uh one of uh the uh Back in 19, I should, don't, don't hold me to it, the early 90s, Mazda, 
which was owned by Ford Motor Company, came out with a Miller cycle engine. It was a V6. He drove it the same. He did everything the same. All right. And, uh, but it said it was a Miller cycle engine. And then when Toyota came out with the first generation Prius, all right, then they came out with an Atkinson cycle engine. But neither Mazda, which was owned by Ford at the time, nor Toyota invented. Toyota did not invent the Atkinson cycle engine. Actually, the at, uh, and and Mazda did not invent the Miller cycle engine. Actually, uh, I don't know the date of the Atkinson cycle, but the Miller cycle was repre- was invented by, in 1957, right? So there's nothing new. 1957 by an American engineer. I don't know who he worked for by the name of Ralph Miller. And he patented that cycle. That's why it's called the Miller cycle and the Atkinson cycle. So what is the Miller cycle? Well, let's the what is the Atkinson cycle and the Miller cycle? What the heck does it mean to you? And what does it mean to your future of your farm equipment, your vehicles, what have you? All right. The fact of the matter is when you it all basically comes down to thermodynamics and it comes down to valve timing and it comes specifically down to when the intake valve is open or i should say conversely when the intake valve closes and that's what it's all about so now on a conventional auto cycle engine Right, so my fiesta is that well, it's, it should be an auto cycle, all right. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna address that in a couple of minutes, right? The thing is that the <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, all right, all right, on an auto cycle engine, all right, which is a isentropic expansion, all right, uh, uh, isentropic uh, cycle engine. That expansion is that the intake valve closes before the compression stroke begins so if you were to if you anybody who built engines played around with engines and used a degree wheel on an engine on a stand an engine stand and watch the cam events all right is that for all intents and purposes on an auto cycle engine i shouldn't say all intents and purposes that the intake valve is going to close before the compression stroke starts because if the intake valve was still open before and the compression stroke started what's going to happen to the charge that is in the cylinder which charges air and fuel mixed together it's going to push it right back out of the intake valve into the intake manifold right so it's like trying to fill a tire up with a compressor that has a, a tire has a hole in it right the you're putting if you could put more air in than is going out then you're going to build pressure if not you're pushing it back out all right so what is an atkinson cycle engine and what is a miller cycle engine all right it is let's talk atkinson first is that it's what they would call in engineering an over expanded intake stroke all right sounds very 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 complicated over expanded intake stroke in simplistic because i'm a guy from cat swamp road terms that means 
that the intake valve, and it's all in the camshaft, right? So auto cycle, millicycle, and 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 uh, Atkinson cycle is a camshaft change, a lobe change. All right. So, and what they mean by an overexpand is that the intake valve stays open longer. Probably twenty. It stays open for twenty to thirty percent of the compression stroke. All right. All right. So, uh, and it's pushing the fuel and air back into the cylinder. All right. And that's just, excuse me into the intake manifold. You say, what good is that? Well, this is where it comes back to our four strokes and <clears throat> and understanding the losses inside every engine. There's pumping losses, there's frictional losses, and there's thermal losses. All right, so every engine has that regardless of what it is. All right, pumping losses are the work that the engine must do to pump air in and out of the cylinders. Uh, thermal losses are the, the the heat from combustion that is not working against the piston, all right, and it's either going into the engine coolant, going into the engine block, or out into the tailpipe, out the tailpipe into atmosphere. And then the frictional losses are just the internal friction in the engine. For the crankshaft to spin around, the valves to open against the springs, the camshaft, <clears throat> all those things are what is called frictional losses. Excuse me, I'm getting some <clears throat> some water here. And for all intents and purposes, and I've said this on the show before, we're going to say 25, 25, 25. So that if, if you look at the BTU, the energy content of the fuel, about 75% of it is lost. And only 25% of it does work. And work is defined as chemical to mechanical energy exchange that goes to the flywheel that then can be used to drive a transmission to an irrigation pump a welder what have you a generator makes no difference all right that is where the work where the metaphorical rubber meets the road so for all intents and purposes 75 percent of the energy is lost all right it's a little bit better now maybe 68 percent what have you but now Let's think of the pumping losses. So the pumping losses is to the work that the engine is doing to go and to push the piston with the valve intake valve closed up to top dead center with and and, and, and to squeeze that that charge, that air together, right? This squeezes so it's, it's working to push it. So now if we can minimize that pumping loss, and the same thing happens on the exhaust stroke, that you have to pump out what did not it go out of this out of the exhaust the exhaust valve exhaust port through what they call blowdown when the pressure is higher in the cylinder, the residual pressure when the valve cracks open, the exhaust valve, it has to pump it out. That's why it's called the pumping loop. Remember I said it's not called the exhaust stroke because you're pumping out, like washing out a spray tank, all right? You're pumping out all the exhaust. So now <clears throat> the benefit of the Atkinson cycle, 
by the, what they call, as I said, I'm repeating it, overexpanded intake stroke. That's engineering parlance, engineering speak instead of overexpanded. We're keeping the intake valve open longer. So in, in practical sense, when the, in, when the piston starts to sweep towards the top dead center, the intake valve is still open. So now you're pushing some, you're pushing this back into the back into the into the uh, intake manifold. In a simplistic terms, it's a compression release on a chainsaw. Okay, because what is a compression release doing? It's allowing some of the pressure to go out so it's easier for you to pull the rope to start it and you could get more velocity and pump more air even though you're losing some. So it says, hey, it's this trade-off, right? All right, so, I mean, we life is always a series of trade-offs. And the thing is that, so think of the intake valve staying open for longer, the overexpanded stroke to make the piston easier for the piston to go towards top dead center it's not going to be open the whole time because otherwise you won't compress anything so piston towards top dead center all right so what is that going to do that is going to minimize a pumping loss inside the engine okay so now the fact of the matter is is remember we said so now instead of having 25 percent energy loss from the pumping loop all right, from uh, the work to pump the end, the, the filling, to what they call selling the filling and emptying, is that maybe we're down to 20%, 18 whatever, right? By keeping that valve open longer. So that's what it does. And then what they usually do is put more more physical compression ratio in, in the engine to try to limit that, minimize that impact of that loss. And what is the benefit of it well the benefit of it is fuel economy and that is why when you look at a hybrid <clears throat> a ford hybrid engine a toyota hybrid engine a bmw hybrid it makes no difference what it is it's going to say an atkinson cycle engine now given given a certain engine displacement if you if you have it as atkinson cycle all right which is going to be the valve events the vac the intake valve event the Atkins cycle it will make less power but will become more fuel efficient so why they do that on a hybrid is because they have the electric motor as an assist so they don't care about giving away 10 or 15 horsepower because they have a 40 horsepower electric motor all right so that is why they so they're looking for fuel economy from that from that gasoline that internal combustion engine and they could get a, a fuel economy bump <clears throat> with an atkinson cycle by leaving that intake valve open longer and now pushing some of the charge back up into the intake manifold so now you say to yourself okay i'm pushing this back up into the intake manifold and then the valve closes and everything works as it normally would in an auto cycle if this is making any sense what happens to that charge well that charge is there waiting for the next cylinder to open so you would consider it like priming an old well pump right 
So you pour some water down there and you pump and you try to prime it and get it going. So that charge is not lost. So the first, so every cylinder is paying it forward and it fi- when it goes on the compression stroke to the next cylinder and helping to fill that cylinder by having more pressure in the intake manifold and having more charged fuel and air together. So it's not lost. So it's like a daisy chain effect. But to <clears throat> to bring sense to this, the reason for it is the to minimize the work that must be the work that is performed to push the piston up the top that center. And its whole purpose in life is existence is to increase fuel economy. And you will see every hybrid gasoline electric vehicle has an Atkinson cycle engine in it. All right, looks no different to you because it's in the valve timing. So now you say, okay, <clears throat> so we went through auto cycle. Auto cycle, we went through Atkinson cycle. I mean, diesel cycle and now Atkinson cycle. Now keep in mind that an Atkinson cycle is also isentropic, all right? But what we're doing is we're minimizing, think of it in simplistic terms, compression release on the chainsaw. So now, what is a Miller cycle? Well, a Miller cycle, all right, is an Atkinson cycle engine, and it basically closes the valve a little bit earlier so it doesn't keep the valve is open as long but what it does is that it uses either a turbocharger or supercharger to help fill the cylinder so uh basically uh, other than saying there's a little bit minimal difference in when the intake valve closes all right uh is that a miller cycle is a forced induction atkinson cycle engine all right, so that's what that is. So think of it the same way, and it all is based upon the intake valve staying open. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so I tried to look <clears throat> in my old engineering texts and see at what particular point that the breakover is of saying when the valve opens and closes, and I'm sure it's in there, but I wasn't able to find it. I was jumping around from different texts, but that's what it is. That you could take to the bank, that the Miller cycle actually closes the valve a little bit sooner, the intake valve, and is using forced induction. So now depending upon what the manufacturer does the design or i should say the engineer that's designing that engine is going to but at one particular point right but it cannot be a miller cycle without some sort of forced induction and that mazda engine that i was telling you about that was a miller cycle was supercharged so it had a supercharger on it some have a turbo not some mazda some have a turbocharger on it. all right so now i'm going to recap this and then we're going to move on you say you got a headache already, right? So auto cycle is isentropic, is that is the four strokes intake compression power exhaust. We'll use that simplistic terms, all right? No thermal change as the piston goes to top that center. It's not compressing it enough to have a, any th- thermal change of consequence in simplistic terms, okay? A diesel engine is called a diesel cycle, though it has four strokes, yes, 
uh, that's why Detroit Diesel had a two-stroke diesel, all right? It wasn't, the, it, 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 so the thing is that it was, so it's an adiabatic, all right? It's an adab- adiabatic engine <clears throat> where it goes and it uses the compression to heat that charge up to be able to have it have, have compression ignition to ignite the fuel, all right? Now we're going into Atkinson cycle, so Atkinson's, Atkinson cycle is a four-stroke, four-cycle, all right, isentropic engine, all right, like an auto cycle, but because the valve is not closing before, the intake valve is not closing before the piston starts to go towards top dead center, that is why it's called an Atkinson cycle, by keeping that somebody's meowing like anything out there, by keeping the valve open, longer right is that you are minimizing the pumping loops for fuel economy gain all right there's a power loss what they call specific output horsepower per cubic inch all right so what have you uh, it comes to what's called expansion ratio we're not going there we don't need to go there for that all right and they, they they're willing to trade the power loss because they basically have electric motor they're helping their car move for that truck move like the the power boost ford f-150 or ram has their favorite what they call it. they got everybody's got a marketing name all right for that <clears throat> for their hybrid all right so it's going they're interested more in the fuel economy all right so and that you and then a miller cycle is an atkinson cycle engine i'm not laughing that closes the valve a little sooner and is using some sort of forced induction to help fill the cylinders all right so that basically so now ford that the ford uh power boost f-150 has got an everything all these names you go crazy eco boost everything is boost boost power boost eco boost this that right it's got an eco boost 3.5 v6 <clears throat> and i'm pretty sure that that is a miller cycle engine all right so that because why is it miller cycle because they have two two turbochargers on it so i'm gonna have to look back in my data when i road tested one now keep in mind that <clears throat> there's a gray area and that's why i spoke to you about my fiesta i said well i think it's an auto cycle because with the advent of today's variable cam timing on intake and exhaust cams all right which my fiesta has all right, so four valve cylinder head, not that makes a difference, but it's got an intake cam phaser and exhaust cam phaser. All right. And I remember talking back a number of years ago to some Ford engineers and a nice conversation with them is that when you have variable valve timing, you if you have enough control logic and you have enough ability in the in the in the the controls of the ECU, the, all everything that comes to get comes together. All right, is that <clears throat> these engines today have the ability to approach or or actually be an Atkinson cycle engine? It's not a hybrid because what they basically do is that with the variable cam timing, they're toggling back and forth when they're closing the intake valve. 
and on a multiple cam engine, see, on like the Ford um, Godzilla engine that has variable cam timing, but it's got a single cam block. It's a push rod engine. So the thing is that if you're moving the phase of the intake valve, you're moving the phase of the exhaust valve. You need to have a separate intake valve cam and a separate exhaust valve cam. And what happens is that, and that's why I was telling you <clears throat> about my Fiesta, I've gotten as much as 56 miles per gallon with it at times, all right, on the highway. And I said, well, I got, you know, I, was, I was using it as, ah, I'm getting, I got 44.9 going down to Messix, all right, all right, bad conditions. And I said, well, I believe it's an auto cycle engine, but I don't know if it's an auto cycle engine because when I'm at part throttle, light load, cruising down the interstate, it may very well be transitioning to a atkinson cycle engine or on the verge of being atkinson and <clears throat> and that is happening <clears throat> excuse me with a lot of engines i'm just going to get a drink of water for a second here i'm going to kill the mic okay i'm back <clears throat> sorry about that my my uh i'm over have an overexpanded mouth <laughs> talking all right so why it's important for you to understand this that's where when you're going down the road so you have a new pickup truck <clears throat> and i'm going to use i'm going to say a ford all right and for the simple reason being currently all their spark ignition pickup truck engines are overhead cam whereas Chevy is not, GM is not, and, and Ram is not. All right, maybe if the V6 may be overhead cam, but the Hemi is not overhead cam. So if you have an F-150, you got a cheapest F-150 with a 3.7 V6 in it, but it's got a variable cam timing, that that engine may very well be approaching, if not going into an Atkinson cycle when you're going down the highway, other than, other than, uh, and you don't know it right because the engine management systems today are so integrated they're so they, they have so much inputs into them all right they have so much adjustability which is called degrees of freedom in engineering and the controllers are so powerful powerful meaning more computing skills than the than the, when we went to the moon back in the 60s all right the thing is that they're cycling this back and forth and that is one of the reasons why is that i've spoken about on this show or you probably don't remember about asynchronous injection pulses asynchronous and 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 synchronous injection pulses and asynchronous or synchronous pulse we'll start there is there's a spark pulse there's a fuel pulse spark pulse fuel pulse asynchronous means a meaning is not synchronous it's not synchronized to the ignition that you may have more fuel pulses than ignition pulses which is acceleration enrichment and you have or you could have less fuel pulses than ignition pulse and that's called deceleration or decel enleanment all right so when you're ghost so when i'm coasting down the hill in the mountains on i-81 going to pennsylvania through pennsylvania the other day and i'm lifting my throttle a little bit and i'm and i'm pulling that um, i'm what they would call uncrowding the throttle because when you step on a throttle it's called crowding it all right that calibration may be going almost to atkinson cycle or may not 
<coughs> right? Because he said the hot rod farm is cheap. He bought the cheapest for what he could get. All right? That, that, and that's where the fuel economy and things are happening. And that's why a person who is very digital in their driving, not only are you triggering those asynchronous pulses, acceleration Richmond would be akin to like an old accelerator pump on a carburetor, <coughs> all right? Is that, but... <clears throat> but you are also could be toggling back from Atkinson cycle to auto cycle, right? So we don't know. <laughs> what I'm saying we don't know is because no one wants to <clears throat> divulge that. I shouldn't say that. They'd, they they think it's like the military <clears throat> on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. So uh, that is what they're saying. But I wanted you to understand this and now keep in mind is that when if you have an atkinson cycle engine all right then you get like a, 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 a that even though <coughs> excuse me there were other there are other hybrids but the toyota prius became like the, the poster child of hybrids all right the thing is that once you start to get some miles on those engines and you're and you're running in the atkinson cycle you're finding that you're getting you're getting you you're not putting exhaust but you're putting what they call standoff fuel vapors back into the intake manifold and 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 the standoff fuel dirties the manifold and dirties the mass airflow sensor and you get like a a prius with higher mileage on it all right then what's going to happen is that that intake manifold is going to start to set codes for that because of uh the mass airflow and you need to clean that mass airflow which is something on every mass airflow vehicle i've spoken about not just a prius but there's different things it's you know it's it's not all a bowl of cherries all right the thing is that you do get fuel economy out of it i'm not going to deny it there's a lot of complication there but when you when push comes to shove if you if a ma- an auto manufacturer is chasing fuel economy for government standards and emissions is that if you could go into an atkinson cycle and that is basically what's happening when you're going down the road today i would probably say almost every overhead cam motor regardless of who is making it and its use is probably today in 2024 probably the past couple of years is actually either approaching an Atkinson cycle or actually going into an Atkinson cycle at some particular stage in its engine operation would be which would usually be light to minimal load and relatively constant rpm and relatively minimal throttle input transient not not in and out of the throttle and uh that's something for you to understand so you may be going down the road and you may say hey honey i'm going to atkinson now all right they're not telling you that but it's very very possible and the qualifier in the industry as i said i could not find the exact number today but the qualifier in industry is how long how many degrees of crankshaft rotation are you leaving that intake valve open 
after the piston starts to sweep towards top dead center because when the pistons are, so if you leave it so they so the, the sae may come up and say well if you leave it for 10 degrees we'll consider that atkinson and that's why the ford engineer said to me in a lot of engines we're approaching atkinson and may well be at atkinson depending upon what standard you look at if you say well 15 degrees is atkinson so well, i'm not saying it's 15 degrees and you're 14.8 all right so you're basically Basically, you're there right so uh so keep that in, in in mind but also that is why a lot of engines today one of the other reasons which i never divulged to you before because it would have made no sense it would have confused you but a lot of newer engines today use gasoline direct injection and port injection so if it's an eight cylinder engine like say like in a mustang coyote all right it's got eight direct direct injection injectors right into the cylinder right in the cylinder had like a almost like a spark plug and it has eight port injectors so it has 16 injectors or if it's a v6 whatever different type of brand has 12 injectors because one of the reasons why they do that is to keep the intake valves clean because you cannot you you can't even if you put something like a tecron or something in if it is a uh direct injection it's in the intake valve is not going to see it all right all right but also what they do is they toggle back and forth and they'll make and they'll when they talk about this say the operating state but historically what they will do is they'll toggle back and forth between the direct injection and the port injection usually the port injection is idle at lower speeds and then if they go into atkinson cycle or near atkinson they'll go into direct injection all right so there's a lot of stuff but i never told you that before because one of the main reasons for it is to keep the intake valve clean but the other reason is that if they want to go into atkinson now xyz brand may say well we're not anywhere near atkinson we don't give a damn about that and just like you farm one way your wife makes a soup one way it's chicken soup and another person makes another way all right but through sae there are qualifications say yes if you open the keep the valve open this long it's going to be atkins considered atkinson so hopefully this makes some sense to you all right and to keep in mind that your engines today are not like your old shop teacher intake compression power exhaust all right that is an auto cycle the diesel cycle remember is not an auto cycle even though it has four strokes it's an adiabatic cycle and then you have atkinson and miller and atkinson is simply a very very late what they call an overexpanded intake event so the piston is already coming to top dead center and then the valve decides to close all right and to minimize the pumping losses the, the pumping energy i'll say instead of losses because when the engineer when they say loss they mean a loss versus the btu of fuel input and the miller cycle closes the valve a little bit sooner than the atkinson cycle but what it does it uses some sort of forced induction all right 
and then there's variations in between basic pun so it all basically comes down to like you'd say hey is this a roundup ready crop or not if it's roundup ready i could put i could put glyphosate on if it's not roundup ready i'm going to kill it so it all becomes where when they are closing that intake valve all right so if they're leaving it open so hopefully this was interesting to you hopefully it makes some sense and then hopefully what i'm looking for is these technologies to be expanded all right in the quest to get better fuel economy <clears throat> to do everything that is ridiculous electric cars which are going down the tube just today i read uh thirty seven thousand dollars ford is losing on f and picking on ford every uh f-150 lightning uh <laughs> all of them they're losing their shirts on these electric cars the only one who's probably isn't losing is tesla all right but he's probably losing it also he just he's i think he's just hiding it better all right and uh <clears throat> they're all bailing on these electric cars uh it's going to be as i did a show a while back i think on the radio it's going to be a detriment to the country because you have these companies invested billions with a b into this stuff and it's going south on them the people don't want them then they're not any good their politics yeah it's good maybe for a school bus or something who knows if even that but uh and those month that money is going to be lost or is lost all right so that's a that's for a different show but uh what i'm hoping for is to start to see on agriculture i'm st- on diesel engines on adding a compression ignition adiabatic cycle engines that you can also go into a Miller cycle or approach an Atkinson cycle on it, all right? And that's a very good emission reduction strategy, and then you could do that and with a diesel engine. So let's say, arguably, you have a, a, a Fent combine, right? And it has a 700 cubic inch, I don't know what size engine it is, well, I think it's probably 14 liters, the big one. But anyway, whatever it is, right? So you lose a little power by having it come into into miller cycle or if you have variable valve timing all right and you have a, a a double overhead cam variable valve timing so make the engine 720 cubic inches it makes no difference in that all right and then get the fuel economy up and get the emissions down so the thing basically is there's a lot of technologies there that that they should have pursued and you have to remember the miller cycle this stuff is from 1957 from detroit isn't that something oh my god this is ai no mr miller invented it with a pencil all right and 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 a slide roll all right but it's all rooted in thermodynamics and it's all rooted in the in the pumping losses of an engine and understanding that and like i said I will close this way. If the guy, the guy, the teacher, my physics teacher, would have told me this is how an engine works, boy, I would have not looked at that blonde so much. And I don't even remember her name, but she did look good. So you have a blessed, blessed day. And I want to thank you so much for, for tuning in and for listening. Now, the Hot Rod Farmer's poem for you, the American farmer and rancher, my beloved America. And please be kind to all animals. That's a measure of your character as far as I'm concerned. So animals are God's creation and love them and take care of them.